Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this wonderful, wonderful Monday. Appreciate you being here. If you're listening here on WYSL, or if you're listening to us over on WACC Out Newark, and of course, our friends listening online, A Free Solution, the Facebook page, A Free Solution YouTube channel, and the Kevin Wilson pages, wherever you're listening today. Thank you so much for being here. And today, you know, I, I, I promised this uh, a week ago. I wanted to do a deep dive into an actual policy issue. I want to do a deep dive into the infrastructure bill, right? We're, we're going to be spending a $1.2 trillion. It looks like President Biden's going to be signing this in the law. Uh, and $1.2 trillion, which you know we, we've had in the last couple of years, multiple bills where we're spending well over a trillion dollars. It's like, imagine trying to explain this to, to the folks who are involved in the Tea Party movement back in 2010, that, I mean, it, it, it probably break a lot of our hearts back then. But uh, we, we, are, we are spending an outrageous amount of money here. So, we could we can hope that all of this money, all of this that we're spending, it's actually going to do something good that, you know, it will fix the crumbling roads and bridges and, uh, you know, Internet issues and, and, and whatever thing you want to project onto to the infrastructure package. It's been politically popular to uh, fix infrastructure across both parties. President Trump talked about it. Now, President Biden's talking about it. And, and, and it's actually going to be law. We're actually committing ourselves to spending this money okay so what let's let's dive into it though what what the heck is actually in this thing what is good what is bad what is ridiculous and by the end of the show i want to talk about some things that could make our infrastructure spending as is more effective and then a few things that are a little bit more outside the box. What are different ways that we can approach infrastructure that maybe we're not doing now? Maybe some ways that go beyond the government, but still rely on like some government direction for roads and, and bridges and, and other pieces of infrastructure. So let's uh, let's dive into what is in this bill. We're spending one point two trillion dollars. Goodness, I hope it's something good. All right. So we'll start out with, you know, main thing banner issue it's those roads and bridges right 110 billion dollars for roads and bridges other major infrastructure uh projects they they wanted more than that they wanted uh, 159 billion dollars they only got 110 um 40 billion for bridge repair replacement rehabilitation uh so there's there's a whole bunch there i mean the, the fact about it is there, there are a lot of bridges that are in rough shape this is, in theory, supposed to go towards um, things that are, are 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 needed, things that are necessary. Uh, Bill also has sixteen billion dollars for major projects that uh, it just said, and I'm I'm reading off of like there, there's like a nice like CNN like rundown of all the stuff in here, and it's it's a little bit editorialized, which which kills me. 
uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to, like, it's the most succinct article that lists the most stuff in it. So I really like it for that. But they're like, oh, well, well stuff that wouldn't go toward, uh, they're too large or too complex for traditional funding programs, according to the White House. All right. So we're just kind of taking their word as, uh, as is and, and running it for there. I mean, $16 billion for just other stuff that isn't normally funded. All right. Yeah, that's great. Um, and, and then the other part of this that, that made me say, like, hey, this is just uh, kind of like repeating some propaganda. Some 20 percent or 173,000 miles of our nation's highways and major roads are in poor condition, as are 45,000 bridges, according to the White House. So what's interesting about these numbers, right, is, is a lot of times like these come from like kind of civil engineering societies that uh, like evaluate uh, roadways, bridges and whatnot. Uh, the problem is, is that they're not completely neutral in how they approach these issues because they do have something on the line here, right? Like these, these organizations, they're, they're the ones who are planning out building and oftentimes, you know, uh, getting, getting money for these projects. So they're not completely neutral in the way that the, they approach these issues. There's a lot of incentive for uh, public advocacy groups that have to do with infrastructure to emphasize that, the roads and bridges are in worse condition than they in fact are. And they also emphasize traffic issues in many cases as well, because, well, again, it, it justifies further infrastructure investment. And I'm not, I'm going to use kind of aggressive quotes. I, I, I hate, I hate the word investment when it comes to, to the government spending. Everyone wants to spin it as investment. It's not, it's not just spending. We're not just, you know, uh, throwing in a pile and lighting it on fire, uh, it, it's investment. So forgive me if I, I, I slip up and say that a couple times, but but that's the language that the, our, our, our friends in Congress want, want to put around this stuff. And, and I, I don't always believe it. <laughs> I'll put it that way. But anyway, it, it, when you look at these things that, that say like how poor roads and, and bridges and whatnots are in, it, it's 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 a little bit spun. Just know that like that is partially true in many ways, and you can see it in the in you know the roads and bridges around us. But, <clears throat> but it is not necessarily as true. Uh, it's not to you, you should take it uh, you know a bit skeptically. Is all I'm saying here. All right. So there's a whole bunch in here too that that talks about focus on climate change mitigation. <clears throat> now I want to spend a, a good chunk of the 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 part two of this show segment two of the show talking about that um, because it's uh, it's, it's interesting how the Biden administration is approaching these things because a lot of times it's, it, it is things that sometimes coastal communities might need to do if sea levels rise in the way that climate change uh, not advocates, but, but people concerned about climate change, say right i mean the good news about the society that we live in even if we do have climate change there are ways to mitigate these things but they're expensive and not every local government either can or wants to pay for these things so they are going to look more and more towards the federal government to pay for things like higher seawalls and different ways of redirecting water when you know you get uh, you know a hurricane and you get uh, you know the the storm surge that comes through stuff like that so there's there's a whole bunch of money for that type of stuff See, $11 billion for transportation safety, and that's uh, stuff to help states and localities reduce crashes and fatalities, especially cyclists and pedestrians. Um, so, again, I, I don't know what specifically that means. If if they were making actual investments where, like, the structure of roads would change in a way that would um, 
make it less likely for folks to uh, want to speed, to get in accidents. Now, it's not always popular, but things like like roundabouts can do that. Things like adding more trees to certain streets can do that, encourage people to slow down. I don't know if it's going to be that stuff or if it's just going to be a bunch of nonsense. It's probably going to be a mix of both, to be honest. Uh, That's that's how it often is with these programs. One billion dollars to reconnect communities, and this is CNN's, mainly disproportionately black neighborhoods that are divided by highways and other infrastructure, according to White House, it will fund planning, design, uh, demolition, reconstruction of street grids, parks, and other infrastructure. Now, what's interesting about this is like we, the the the, the U.S. government already funds this stuff, um, and and has before, right? Like the the Tiger funds that went into uh, taking out that chunk of the inner loop in the city of Rochester. It's it's stuff like that. So, like that project, that billion dollars is probably going to eventually fund the the rest of the removal of the inner loop in Rochester. I would imagine, unless it's already earmarked for another project, you know, I, I don't actually know the specifics of that. But my, but that's the type of stuff that they have in mind. Some of which is good and it makes sense. Some sometimes are highways that really never should have been there, and they they don't really make sense anymore in a lot of ways. So filling those in and connecting streets and filling it with businesses and, and other stuff can be a good thing if it's uh, if it's done in a way that allows for organic markets to crop up and exist. All right, so we're starting to run out of time on segment one here, but thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Appreciate y'all being here. I'll leave your comments, and uh, I'll be happy to address them as soon as I'm able to read them. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe. Safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. All right. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. I appreciate all those who are listening today, whether you're listening on WYSL or WACKO in Newark or any of the social media channels, a free solution, the Facebook page, free solution, the YouTube channel, or the Kevin Wilson pages. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. And again, we're talking about the infrastructure bill today. Uh, we're talking about some of the uh, various elements of this. Uh, reading off from uh, you know an article uh, on CNN about it. Actually, they, they had a, a decent article for it, and talking about some of the the quote unquote investment in public transit infrastructure here that the 39 billion dollars that we're putting into that system and if i'm making the generous case for this right 
I don't necessarily want to, but if, if I, if I am, if I'm saying, I'm looking at this and, 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 and trying to say, okay, here's what these people are trying to say. We have spent a ton, a ton of money, like literally trillions of dollars on highway investment. And that is not the only way people get around. This is this again, the, the argument that folks who are currently going to be pro spending this $39 billion are going to say this. We spent a ton of money on highway investment. And because we spent such a disproportionate amount of money on highway investment over the last you know, six, seven decades, uh, we now have a, a society that is wholly dependent on cars. So this is a way of shifting money back to uh to to other modes of transportation other modes that they would say are more climate friendly and are more beneficial to the poor and again to to be honest i like mass transit it doesn't necessarily need to be public there's there's a lot of issues with with public transportation there's a lot of issues with you know like with metro lines end up getting mismanaged because of political stuff because of extra rules which we're going to talk about in here too things that make uh infrastructure more expensive where it costs billions of dollars to build a mile of track uh, but mass transit isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you've ever lived in, in a big city, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to, uh, to, to be able to go out and, and just rely on a train and go out and, uh, you know, not have to think about like what the bus schedule is, not have to think about getting in a car. You know, when I was in college, you know, and I, I was going and, and I wanted to, you know, hit the bars with my friends, I, you know, it was, it was nice. I just I knew what train was going to come if, as long as I, I left before like two in the morning. Uh, I knew what the bus schedule was. And even if I didn't, I know they would come every like 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the time of day it was. It's kind of a nice thing. And they're ought to be ways and we'll talk about it later there ought to be ways where this doesn't necessarily have to be wholly owned managed and or subsidized by the government so i get it and and the 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 spending on cars the the it, when we when we spend a lot of money on highway systems we spend a lot of money on road infrastructure it does make people deprioritize mass transit because it's it's so convenient and easy to get a car although it's it's very expensive to own a vehicle I get it. But the 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 problem with this isn't so much the spending on this stuff where a lot of cities would, would love to do it. Again, A, a lot of people are used to driving in cars. B, it's quicker in many cases. C, it's too expensive and we end up not getting enough infrastructure built out from investments in public transit that – it becomes enough to overcome the obstacles of A and B there of, of the convenience and the, and the quickness factor. So that that's a big problem there. Now there's $66 billion also being spent in passenger and freight rail. And now this, this is the one that, that kind of bugs me the most because again, passenger rail, it is, it's nice sometimes to take the Amtrak down to New York or whatever. Right. But, and, and I know I've had folks on the show who are huge fans of that stuff, uh, but it's, there is no reason why, this needs to include this amount of public money. So first of all, the, the freight rail system, they're doing, they're doing fine. Like they, they, they can run on their own. They, they, they are able to go out, uh, get the, the rights to run the tracks that they want. We, we have a robust freight rail system and, and the freight rail system is advanced enough where oftentimes like the passenger rail system runs on top of that, which is if you ever get on an Amtrak down to New York city and you have to like, you're wondering like, well, why the heck is the train just sitting here for half an hour? A lot of times it's because there's, there's freight rail going through because they're using the freight rail lines. Now, uh, 
with with, <laughs> with uh with all that stuff though like again what, that begs the question why if they have a robust freight rail network in place already do, do we need to to, to to spend 66 billion dollars on that and again a lot of that's for biden's like kind of romantic dream of like Amtrak, he, he's well known for liking Amtrak trains, and he used to take the train from Delaware down to D.C., which is coincidentally probably one of the only areas that's actually uh, profitable in terms of uh, Amtrak uh, running back and forth. It's that that corridor between like D.C. and New York, only area where it's, it actually makes sense. Uh, it might make sense in other places if, if the government was always poking the nose and in, into in running these uh, operations or just like doing an actual analysis of demand for uh, passenger. Uh, you know, it, it works in other places, even with, with fewer subsidies, other places around the world. Uh, oftentimes, though, it's that when you have these projects that end up getting so caught up in you know, government money, get so caught up in uh, the the regulations of a particular state and don't bother to look at where the, the actual demand for rail is, that's when you create a ton of problems. Like what we, where you have projects that are, that are a little bit more privately funded. You got some down in Florida right now uh, that, that might be a better opportunity for rail to be something that people want. Again, it's, it's not bad. There's, there's ways in which I, I like just being able to walk on a train. Although half the reason why flying a plane is inconvenient is because of the security theater of the TSA. If it weren't for that, if I could just like walk in and basically get right on my plane by only walking through a metal detector or something and not have to take an extra, my goodness, like two hours getting through all the rigmarole of, of, of security, then I probably wouldn't even feel that way. It just it is mostly just that the, the the getting through all that stuff with a plane, I find inconvenient. I don't like it. Uh, and, and it doesn't actually accomplish the the security uh goals that that the, they claim that it does anyway small tangent on that one um so you got all this money is being spent on there uh a lot of it's going to be spent here in the northeast we'll see you know again we'll see if there's there's going to be a bunch of again we'll quote investment in in high speed rail if we'll get like a, a buffalo to new york line or something who knows i don't know if if that would be useful i i, I kind of doubt that it would be uh and if, if it would get enough passengers to actually justify the significant cost of this program uh and again this is less than what biden wanted he wanted 80 billion dollars to, to, to amtrak and it's because he likes amtrak that that's what it is uh so so next part of this too is the uh, upgrade to broadband um and here, here's the interesting thing about this one. So uh, the bill contains $65 billion to improve broadband infrastructure, um, which, again, Biden initially won $100 billion, It's which is a, a just a ridiculous amount of money. Now, there is issues. There is issues with, with some folks accessing broadband. I, I hit on this on, on a previous show. I think it was last Wednesday. Uh, and, and Tim and I, the first time I had Tim on the show, we talked about this issue, too, is that there's some areas, including in New York State, where it's difficult to get high speed Internet because when private companies look at laying out lines there, uh, if you have to lay out, I don't know, whatever, five miles of cable to serve a dozen houses 
it doesn't scale. It doesn't make sense for those companies to do so, right? Because, well, that's that's a lot of fiber to lay out, a lot of stuff you have to dig out, and you will never make back your money by laying out those lines. It's just what it is. And and so folks who live in rural communities, and I know we have many of them listening to this show, and this is, becomes a, a very contentious issue. They say, well, then the, then the government ought to subsidize that. And it, I'm sorry, and I know this might make some people mad. I don't think so. I don't think the government should subsidize that any more than it should subsidize stuff going on in the city either. And and, and here's why. Again, if if you want to live out in the country, there are, there are trade-offs to that. And one of those trade-offs might be is that you're not entitled to having either the government or private companies make massive investments on your behalf. You're not, you, you don't, you do not get to have any of my money. And, and this type of investment too, also kind of runs counter to the, the supposed climate goals that the, the, the progressive want too, because if you subsidize living out in, in the country, and this is what this is, is a subsidy for that uh, in, in rural areas that don't have access to the same high speed internet, then you have people more spread out. They have to use more gas to get from place to place, and it requires more materials just to get out there. Again, not just internet, but also roads and pipes and gas and all sorts of other stuff that people want when you're living in a more remote area. And if you're going to go live out of the area and you're not on the grid and you know, more power to you. Love it. Great. Do your thing. Uh, I, I totally get it. Um, you're going to be on well and, and, and not rely on any of the, uh, the, the, the other stuff that, that gets subsidized by other areas. Cool. And the other part of this, too, is that it's, it's going to become obsolete by the time this spending actually happens. Because now we have places like uh, SpaceX and you know, Facebook's working on this, too. There's all these companies that are building out satellite-based Internet that you should be able to access anywhere in the world and still have it be pretty darn fast. And on top of that, too, the Biden administration, and I'll post a link to this, the Biden administration used a measure for people who didn't have access to high-speed internet, which I get. It's, it's, it, I, I use it for my job. I get that's a, a great thing to have to be out in the workforce. But they used a measure that doesn't even make sense. They, they lowered the bar so it looked like more people were without high-speed internet. Whereas, in fact, there are still – there are – big chunks of the country that are served by adequate internet for most people to do most things for you to be able to watch netflix and do a lot of your job not everywhere i get better uh, internet in rochester i'm sure than some people can get in other places because i live in a city and that that process scales all right thanks again for joining us here on a free solution uh kevin wilson your for a day we'll be back in just a few minutes talking more about the infrastructure bill talk to you soon Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. There 
hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. All right. Welcome back to the free solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate y'all being here. We're again on WYSL until 1 p.m. Appreciate y'all listening in today. And shout down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark and W. A, uh, and and yeah, WACK out New York and online. There we go on a free solution to Facebook page, a free solution to YouTube channel, and the Kevin Wilson Facebook page in uh, Twitter as well. That's at Kevin Wilson ROC. If you're not following me on Twitter, been less active on there lately. But anyway, we're talking infrastructure bill today. Appreciate y'all being here. We're doing a deep dive and all the stuff that's in it. We're talking about the. We we're talking about the uh, uh, stuff that's going on in the uh, broadband area. Again, if you have any questions or, or comments, questions about that, leave them online. I'll get to them when I can. When I can, I know it, it stirs up uh, some some fierce commentary on the stuff. And maybe Tim and I can talk about this on the Friday show. Um, so, moving on though, other things that are in the bill. You know, in addition to this, there's there's also. It, Again, investments in uh, airports and ports and waterways. And, and there's this, uh, this case being made about the waterway part that we need to invest in our waterways. And that's uh, ports specifically because if we do more uh, kind of uh, dredging, we, we create more deep water ports. Then that will resolve some of the issues uh, with with shipping containers getting locked up on the West coast. But, but I got to tell you that that's a, that's only part of it. B there's no reason for the government to get involved here, that they already collect fees. They already have adequate capital to be able to do this. Not everything needs to be done by government. Not every single thing has to be uh, an investment by uh, the, the federal government. And, and it can still happen without it. I promise. It, like people, people have been doing it all over for a while. It can still happen without it. They can collect enough fees, get enough capital, get the bonds that they need to do dredging to make deep water ports. If that's what they want to do, it's not always a good idea. It's not always worth the, uh, the 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 cost of doing that. But they could if they wanted to. Let the markets figure it out. Seven and a half billion dollars for low zero and low emission buses and ferries again that's part of the the public transit uh part two but and then seven and a half billion dollars towards a nationwide network of plug-in electric chargers uh again we don't need to do this we we managed to have a nationwide network of gas stations without having to get the federal government involved private businesses 
can and already do, sometimes subsidized by the state of New York and other places, they can get the charging stations put in there. And it doesn't even have to be like big stations like we do a gas station. It, they can they can be, you know, whatever, random restaurant stores. You know, you're starting to see them pop up all the time. It's probably going to be just a normal thing in the next 10, 15 years as electric cars become more popular to have half the parking lot taken up by these these chargers whatever again that's the, if that's where things are going to go that's where they're going to go um but we don't always need the government subsidizes because i'm betting if there's a market for it and people want to be able to charge their car while going to shop at walmart and whatnot walmart's going to make the investment to put those charges in no matter what now of course if the government is giving them some money well of course they're going to take it they're going to take advantage of it that's what businesses do nothing against them that's just what they do it's it's why wouldn't you but we're going to spend seven and a half billion dollars on that. Great. The, what's 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 another few billion at this point? Uh, um, and, and and so there's a bunch of other stuff. You know, another uh, sixty five billion dollars to rebuild the the electric grid. Um, you know, new power lines, expanding renewable energy. They say, you know, it, it would be great if if some of that went towards uh, nuclear power which, again, would be a lot cheaper if we kind of streamlined the regulations on that. Probably not going to happen. Rebuilding the electric grid, things that do need to happen, things that are, are you know, I'll, I'll say this about infrastructure generally, right? Like just just kind of on the, 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 the grand view of, of roads and power lines, those two things specifically. It's very hard, well, roads especially, it's very hard to, pass on the cost to just to use themselves. There's too much of a, like a, a free rider policy. The only way to do that, that I can think of with, with roads is if you were to, to make everything a toll road and or track where your car is going at all times. So you're, you're just paying for the amount of road that you're using. There are drawbacks to that though, right? Again, I don't necessarily want the government tracking me wherever I go so that they can pay for the amount of road that I use. Uh, I, you, it's not really, feasible for me to have a toll road outside of my house so some of these things it's tough to do not impossible it's tough to do when when when, you know when folks say who will build the roads guys they don't mean literally who's going to build the roads they mean who's going to pay for the roads and does the way of paying for them make sense with without the government and you can do it it's just more complicated and out of the scope of what most people think about that so I'm, i'm not against Using the government to build roads. I'm, I'm, I know some folks are going to be, oh, Kevin's a stages, whatever, guys. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I'm fine with some of it. Um, that being said, again, it, with other things, with, with power lines, with, with, with many roads, there are ways that we can offset these issues. There are ways that we can make them less expensive to operate. There are ways in which that we can shift some of these services into the private market. Now, I want to talk about some of that now, uh, because here's a couple of things that we can do that there would be challenges to do. They're going to be politically unpopular to do, but there are things that we can do to uh, to make sure that we can get the most out of the quote unquote investment in infrastructure. Right. That, you know, if we if we're spending one point two trillion dollars and that gets us X number of bridges with some changes to the law, some changes to regulations, maybe we can get. Four or five x <laughs> the number of uh like uh bridge repairs, road repairs, etc. Uh, and, and first of all, I, I do want to step back and say, I I don't necessarily think it, it makes sense to to make the investment in in massive new road build outs, 
infrastructure build outs, et cetera. And I know there's just underserved areas and I kind of made this point before, but uh, go look up. Uh, and I've had this guy on before um, uh, from, from strong towns, uh, go look up the, their, their article series on the infrastructure Ponzi scheme. Basically it goes like this, you know, I'm going to give you the 32nd version is that you make these, the government decades ago made these massive investments in infrastructure, right? Roads, water lines, et cetera. And they, they told like the, the towns and the states that were the beneficiaries of the, this money. And they said, okay, like you're going to have all this money to build this stuff and you could build it. And then you should, you ought to build it in a way in which uh, you're able to fund the maintenance in the future. And so that's, that's what they did. And they said, okay, well, we're going to build this and it's going to be a 30 year life cycle. Uh, but once that 30 year life cycles up, this will have brought in so much investment into our town, county, state, whatever, that it will pay for itself and we'll have no issue paying for these roads and bridges. Well, 30 years later, they said, oh, shoot. Well, we, we, uh, we don't actually have the money for this. We, we thought there would be more investment in this area we thought we'd fill more businesses here but turns out there's only like three places that actually stuck around and were collecting money for and everything else is too spread out and we have too much infrastructure maintained for this so federal government you're gonna need to help us out so they pay for the next life cycle of these roads bridges etc and then same thing okay but next time you gotta make sure that you can pay for it yourself didn't happen again in a position where the federal government spent a massive, massive amount of money, what it was at the time, hoping that these investments in roads and bridges would be able to pay for themselves over time. But we keep pushing it down the road, and, and state and local governments keep finding themselves in a position where in some places, some places they do great, where they, but where they have to rely on either, again, the, the next level of government up or the federal government to bail them out and to take care of the infrastructure that they built at the encouragement of the federal government. So go read uh, the, the infrastructure Ponzi scheme over in strong towns. I, I had uh, uh, Chuck Marone on, on the show, goodness, like a, a year and a half ago. Now and it's a, a great episode uh, that was again back when we were called uh, radio free New York too, but, but check it out. Definitely worth listening to. All right. And I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm starting to run out of time uh, for this segment too. So when I come back, uh, we'll talk about some of the solutions to this. What are some of the regulations that we can get out here that will improve things? That will, they'll take our money further and what are some other solutions that are a bit more outside of the box to address our serious infrastructure issues? Again, thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe 
safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. All right, welcome back to the free solution. I'm Kevin Wilson for today. Thanks again for joining us. We are wrapping up the show, segment four now. Thanks again for joining us here on WYSL and WACK out in York and online too, wherever you're listening or on the podcast. Gosh, we, there's so many ways to listen to a free solution. And if you miss any part of the show, again, Check out the podcast, A Free Solution. Uh, any podcasting service is going to have you go to WYSL1040.com to also listen to uh, the, the the recent episodes there as well. Just go to the podcast. You'll be able to see it pretty easily. We're talking about the infrastructure bill, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, uh, and maybe some ways in which we could do this just, just a smidge better. Uh, let's talk about the regulation side of things first, though, right? So you got a, a, a couple of uh, things that end up get included in this bill. Things are included in just the, the normal process of building infrastructure uh, that end up driving up cost significantly. So one of those things is the Davis-Bacon Act, which requires all federally funded infrastructure projects to be paid the prevailing wage, the, the union wage, uh, rather than a market wage. Now, a lot of construction companies don't use union workers, and the costs end up being, you know, a lot higher because of that. Only about twelve point eight percent of construction workers are actually unionized. Uh, so this ends up kind of artificially limiting the supply of of available labor for any uh, particular project, and again, driving it towards uh, higher costs unionized workers. And I know if you're, you're, you're a union person, maybe you think that's a good thing. But again, if if it's going to drive up the cost of infrastructure by 20%, then that is 20% that you are no longer going to be able to spend on other infrastructure. That That is fewer bridges that you can repair. That That is fewer roads that you can fix. That is fewer you know, ports that you can update. It is, it is so... And, and I'm going to talk about the ports next, but it is a significant, significant amount of money that ends up getting spent on this stuff, and we end up losing because of it. Uh, it the Congressional Budget Office estimated that if they repealed that law, it would save taxpayers a billion dollars a year. Significant amount of money. Uh, so the other one, too, is that the, with the port stuff, I, I'd already kind of made mention of the fact that you know we uh, we could probably just leave that to the, the ports themselves. They're, they're usually locally or state managed. They collect their own fees. They're, they're able to get bonded out. If, if, you know, if the port of Miami wants to do dredging to, to allow more deep water tankers to, to you access their port, then like that's, that's their business. The federal government doesn't necessarily need to be doing that. And just because the federal government isn't doing it doesn't mean it's not actually happening. I can't emphasize that enough. The federal government does not need to do anything those things might happen on their own and they might happen in areas that make more sense because they know the market conditions and whether or not it makes sense to dredge deeper because they can get the, uh, the, the, the more ships in and they can pay for it and make profit off of it. Uh, 
That's what ought to happen. Anyhow, so the other, the, some of the other stuff that ends up getting included in this bill, too, is that the the Buy America provisions, right? And again, I know it, it's great to be able to get stuff from suppliers in the United States, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, if you are required to do that, it does drive up costs significantly, and it makes it so that it's it's harder for companies building anything again the the ports the uh, uh, the roads whatever it, to to get the supplies that they need to be able to do this it, it artificially constrains uh, raw materials uh, and other supplies to to be able to build these and and drives up the cost which again you drive up the cost that means few roads bridges etc that you can actually build uh, related to that there's there's kind of Jones Act uh, type stuff that ends up getting involved in, in the port construction where you have to use the American built uh, and flag ships. And because you're doing that again, drives up the cost of doing all that stuff. You have an artificially constrained labor supply and you have an artificially constrained supply of ships that you're able to use. They're able to charge a premium. That means less work gets done for more money. So we take some of those things out. We're going to be able to make our dollars go further or, or, Maybe even spend less. I don't know. That's a crazy thought, though. The other part of this is the uh, the National Environmental Policy Act reviews. Uh, these also end up taking a long time. Uh, so the uh, so I'm going to read from a, a Cato report on this. Um, it says in 2018, uh, NEPA required environmental impact statements took an average of 4.5 years to complete significantly increasing both the cost and time needed to complete infrastructure projects. 4.5 years. Oh my goodness. And I know, I I know we want to have some due diligence here. We want to say, all right. uh, (laughs) We want to say if, you're going to do a big infrastructure project. How is that going to impact the, the the place around you? We want to make sure it doesn't destroy our neighborhood, city, et cetera. Okay, I get that. But four and a half years is a long time, and you have to constantly keep going back to the drawing board, hiring more professionals to redesign and to do additional work on these projects. It adds a lot of time and money. And your dollars are able to go less far, and you end up disrupting the whole community process further with uh, that long of a timetable just to, to even get started. And then by the time you get started, who knows? Money changes, priorities change, all sorts of stuff can disrupt that. And then suddenly you've just, again, set a big pile of money somewhere and set it on fire or and or given it to professionals, depending on how nicely you want to spin it. But I'm not in favor of that, I think. <laughs> we, we need to find a way to streamline that process as much as possible and make sure that, my goodness, can we at least get it down to a year or something? That is ridiculous, four and a half years. All right, so here's a more outside-the-box solutions. Some of these, you know, I'm getting from, from Larry Sharp, who's great. Uh, some of these, you know, uh, other stuff floating around uh, libertarian uh, circles. Big one is, is, again, the government doesn't always need to do this stuff, right? The, the government, as I said, the federal government doesn't need to um, be the ones who are uh, subsidizing, uh, dredging the ports. Let the ports do it. The government doesn't need to be the one building rail projects. Let private companies do it if it makes sense, if there's enough passenger uh, demand to justify an increase in capacity. With broadband, we don't need to, to – by the time we go and lay out all this cable and we spend a massive amount of money giving internet to a handful of people who have chosen to live in more spread out areas, it's going to be obsolete anyway. We have the development of, of satellite-based internet technologies that are going to be high speed and perfectly adequate for doing most of the things that we want to do on the internet. You could probably even stream a podcasting show. 
the one that the the one that I know like drives some people nuts is is actually I I don't dislike toll roads. I think toll roads are fine. I'm I if if it weren't tied to like New York State and a bunch of like political stuff there, like I actually wouldn't mind the, the throughway system. And you know, some people are like oh, Kevin, why do you want to? Why do you want to uh, increase fees on me? Okay, yeah, but like I, I only pay for it if I use it. I, I'd rather just do that for these major highway arteries and say, yeah, let's let's just completely cover the cost with user fees, and that's it. That's that that is a better way to do things in most situations. As I acknowledged before, not always the best way to do things, but in in closed access highway systems like like the thruway, it does make sense. The other thing you could do is allow more advertising space. Seriously, that that's it wouldn't be that difficult to do out of home advertising just, you know, have more monetization of things like of bridges. Uh, I'm I'm fine with selling naming rights to that stuff. Uh allow greater monetization of overpasses and and using that for ad space, using other side of the road stuff for ad space does not bother me in the least and if it offsets the massive cost of highway building and we're able to get more and or better infrastructure out of it because we allow companies to be able to get their message to consumers who happen to be driving through those highways, then great. I see that as a win-win. Let's monetize that as much as possible. Use the existing infrastructure we have and let you know, let, let, you could do things like uh, you know, allowing phone companies to use it more effectively, allowing uh, uh, advertisers to get out there, uh, whatever, whether it's billboards or whatever. It doesn't even matter. Just I, I don't have all the ideas here. I think if you open that up, companies will take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, there's other stuff, too, uh, you know, at the local level, uh, things like zoning reform. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to be a fan of, but if you have any other ideas for this stuff, if you have other ways in which we can make sure that infrastructure is affordable, more easily built or scaled, right? Again, it doesn't even have to be building more stuff. It's just scaled appropriately. Let us know. Thanks again for joining us here on a free solution. I will be back on Wednesday. Appreciate you. Take care.